Turn with me if you in your Bibles to Malachi chapter 1. I want to honor the Word of God as being the eternal Word of God that God had planned before the foundation of the world that we would have this book to be able to read and to be able to study. And I would tell you that uh, apart from the revelation of God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, that having a revelation of what this book, 66 books, really is, is the greatest miracle that has ever happened to man. I said your Bible is the greatest miracle that you have ever had given to you. You can find a revelation and a self-disclosing of God to us by reading your Bible. You cannot make sense out of this world, out of this life, without understanding what the Bible says about God and about this life. Deuteronomy 29.29 says something like, the secret things belong to the Lord. There are things that are secret that only God knows and only God is going to know because He's going to keep them from us. Why? Because some things are better left unknown and some things are better left unsaid. And we in our arrogance many times want to jump up into God's space and tell Him, you haven't given me enough information or knowledge. You haven't visited me enough or talked to me enough. Therefore, I'm going to let my own uh, uh, sense of pride rise in the presence of the Lord and we are going to indict God, almost wanting to make God a man that he should lie or that he should repent. And the scripture very clearly says, God is not a man that he should lie or that he should repent. And when you get to that, to that uh, uh, part of your journey, whatever you're on in that part of your journey and you do not understand Please, I I implore you as a father in the Lord, do not go after God. You will have been fulfilling what Adam and Eve did, which was they turned on God. I want to make this perfectly clear that what I'm going to tell you is worthy of all acceptance. And I want you to believe it because there's no hokey pokey in it. There's not some charismatic make-believism about it. It just is what it is. And this is what I will tell you. That God is your Father, yet God the Father is the most misunderstood personality in the entire universe. He is the most misunderstood personality in the universe. The things that are said and done in the name of the Lord many times are absolute poppycock. Do I make myself clear? The things that are ascribed to God, who is innocent, who is our beloved, who is the righteous one, who is the holy one, the book of John. That being said, we have no excuses when what we do is we think we're going to put on our big boy pants and we're going to be equal to God and we're going to be just about where he is. Just give me a couple more Bible readings and a couple more Bible studies and a couple more days of prayer and fasting and I'll be right there. No, you're not. You know, the problem with the charismatic movement is is that we've tried to tear the cover off of being intimate with God, and yet in some of our hearts, familiarity has done nothing but breed contempt. You know, we're going to be intimate with God. We're going to call God our Father. You know, Jesus is our friend and our brother, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, and and the Holy Spirit has come to uh, uh, dwell inside of us, and therefore we we, we think that we're on a buddy-buddy system. 
Well, let me tell you what. God is nobody's homeboy. God is nobody's sugar daddy. You know, the price that he paid puts him in elite category, which we will never attain to. Say never attain to. It's okay as a believer to believe that your father is the greatest one in the universe. You don't need to make excuses for being a Christian. You need to be proud about being a Christian. I'm here to tell you that since the whole ISIS thing over, over in the pond there and the Iraqi wars and we have encountered Muhammad and his uh, uh, liars, his deceivers, his hypocrites, his murdering sons, okay, what we have had is we have had an intimidation tactic whereby that religion wants to inspire anybody who's listening that if you don't get your own way, I will kill you. Yes, yes, intimidation. The French uh, uh, poet and the French uh, uh, person who wrote out of, out of the, uh, uh, the magazine, who wrote out of the, the newspaper, uh, 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 making fun of the prophet Muhammad about seven years ago now, uh, they told him that if you keep writing this stuff up, we're going to kill you. And sure enough, he kept writing it up. And surely to this day, he is graveyard dead. How am I doing, brother? I told you special needs. <laughs> Man, I got to give credit where credit is due. These guys that call themselves elders and elders' wives around here and deacons and deacons' wives and are in training for it, I'm telling you because I get to see it from the back of the bus and from behind closed doors, they are absolutely wonderful. Uh, this, is, this is as close to New Testament giddy up as I've ever seen. I think it mocks, it, uh, not mocks, but it mimics a lot of what we tried to do back in the day. And I totally endorse this product. I'm 53 years old in the Lord. And I'm here to tell you that they really do try to be honest and to be godly. You know, if you're going to be humble in this life, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to realize that humility and honesty are side, uh, two sides of the same coin. So anyway, I don't know where I got off to. I like to say to my wife, because I do suffer from chemo frog, uh, fog, that uh, where was I before I interrupted myself? <laughs> and that's the reason why I just asked for a couple more minutes, because I do have some painful, powerful, um, bottom line things that I want to try to offload here for a few minutes with us. But I want you uh, to turn with me to the book of Malachi in chapter 1, and I want to start reading at verse 6. Hold on, I need a sip of water. The medicines make my mouth really dry. You know what I hear from the pulpit? You know what I hear from all the special meetings? You know what I hear from the prayer meetings? You know what I hear through the worship? I hear keep fighting. Amen. Keep fighting. Because Amen. in the minute that you are not fighting, you are being overrun and you don't even know you're being overrun. That's right. You're being deceived and you don't know you're being deceived. 
But there's an order, and I said this the last time I was able to publicly share a couple of years ago here, that order is the first principle of heaven. Order is the first principle of heaven. Why? Because there is one who sits on his throne, who has taken counsel with himself, and who has said, we will put the Christ where we put the Christ. We will allow the Holy Spirit to come when the Holy Spirit comes, and this will be his office amongst his people. And yet what needs to be understood by human beings is that there is one Father in heaven and in earth. According to Ephesians chapter 1, the scriptures say that he has taken counsel with himself. Wow, that guy must be pretty special that he took counsel with himself and we have all of this. But something went terribly wrong when in the Garden of Eden there was one voice, Jackson. There was just one voice. The consensus, consensus was one voice. Believe in the one voice, follow the one voice, give heed to the one voice, and you will live a long life. As a matter of fact, you will live life eternal, and you don't have to die. But then he says, eat of all of this, all of this, all of this, but if you eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're going to die. And in the Hebrew it says, in suffering you will suffer, in pain, you will have pain. In hurtfulness, you will have hurt. So God knew what he was talking about when he told Adam and Eve, don't do that. Don't do that. All of this is a consequence of that. Have you ever had the thought that every army on the face of the earth Every army that's on the face of the earth is in place because of the fall of man. Every police officer, thank you for serving, brother. Brothers, sisters. Every police officer, every armed forces, they're all in place because of what? The sin of man. Every hospital, every lawyer, every nurse, every doctor. Every ambulance driver is in place because of the fall of man. Every psychiatrist, every psychologist, every... I, got, I was told who's going to do my robotic surgery and put six holes in my gut, that he's the only one who does it in the state of Indiana and three times in his uh, 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 basic college courses uh, when he was at Harvard, cool beans, um, um, he, he, he graduated uh, atop of the class three straight times. That's the guy I want cutting on me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want the guy who just graduated. Man. <laughs> I love those guys. You're going to do robotics. What? Robotics? Um, you, you need to, uh, you know, he's a very skilled and blessed man. And when, when they gave us the... Uh, uh, the scenario for the operation. Uh, I was uh, there with uh, Melissa and uh, maybe Nick was there. I can't remember. I think it was Nick. But uh, I started giving testimony that I was a child of God and I was in love with the Father. And he raised his hand and said, me too, basically, and said, uh, God has sent you to me. I'm going to take care of you. Yeah, yeah praise the Lord. So what I started to say was that we are in a mess 
because there was one voice in the garden and then there was two. There was the father's voice, the father's voice. Yes, article father's voice. And then there was this other clown who came swiveling in and said, has the one who's been your father this whole time that you've been on earth, um, is he really good for his word? Is he really good for his word? And that's what this morning's message to me is about. Is God's word really trustworthy? Dr. Dan Allender says that nobody trusts anybody. The dilemma that we have at the brokenness of our soul is, do we trust God? Paul spent last week's preaching on, do we really trust God to not just throw us the uh, uh, children's bread and you've got to crawl on your hands and need, needs, needs to get it, but do you believe that you're his child and he invites you equally to the table as much as he would ever invite his client nation Israel and all of their promises and prophets to the same table? Well, the answer is, Absolutely, yes. Yes. Whomsoever will, Jesus said. You know, I was taught in Bible college 50 years ago that uh, uh, as you walk towards heaven's gate, across the, the top of the lintel there, the lintel, whatever it's called, maybe lentils is food. Um, <laughs> hang in there now. You've never been here before. And honestly, neither have I. <laughs> well, anyway, over the top of the door as you're entering and getting into heaven, how many of you know you've got to know Jesus to get into heaven? Amen. 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 There's no other name under heaven and earth whereby a man must be saved, save Jesus. Here are the words. Whosoever will. Does the Bible say whosoever will? Yeah, that's good Bible. Yes, good Bible? Okay. So let's go into the gate of heaven. And now we're going to go through. I want to close the doors behind us, but maybe Peter's going to do that. Old St. Peter. I was raised in the Catholic Church, so I know how to say St. Peter. <laughs> but then I look back on the reverse side of the lentil over the door, the top of the door there, and to... That side, for those that are coming to heaven or would want to go to heaven or choose not to go to heaven, it says, whosoever will. That sounds like a fair proposition. That sounds like the goodness of God. That sounds like a trustworthy being wants me to be with him throughout all eternity. But lo and behold, I'm going to look on the inside. The doors are now closed. I'm safely in heaven forever. My name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I've gone through the Bema Seat of Christ, which is the judgment seat for all believers of all time to be able to give an answer for everything that we've done, uh, every idle word that we've spoken, every uh, deed of righteousness so that he can recognize us. And lo and behold, this God that we basically went arc, uh, anarchy on and, and committed suicide with in the Garden of Eden in our mother and father, that he uh, uh, um, has good things called crowns and, and gifts and rewards for me, even though I chose to reject him and uh, 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 call him a bastard father. So here I am, I'm on the inside of heaven, and to the reverse side it says, whosoever will, but on this side it says, chosen before the foundation of the world. Come on. 
The secret things belong to the Lord. Your sonship and your daughtership doesn't belong to the Lord. It now belongs to you. God is ever wanting to secure His children in His life. The life that He lives in His children so that His children would know that they are loved and accepted. And I made the mention about the Mohammed thing and, and the, uh, uh, the scariness of uh, all of those pictures of them beheading people who disagreed with them. Well, uh, it shouldn't freak you out too much. That was their mode of execution, the way our mode in America is the, the needles in the arms or the electrocutions or whatever it's been. So that, that is, is really their way of executing in the... Uh, the east, uh, or, or the, yeah, the east way of executing in, on, on even continents has been that for uh, uh, thousands of years. But all of that being said, I wanted to bring into light that the devil seeks to intimidate us, and he has so gotten into the charismatic church with this nonsense that the devil can read all of your thoughts and hear all of your prayers. I'm here to tell you that that is absolute cockypox. That's nonsense. He was made. He is a creation. He has limitation. We have aspire, or we have given to him. We have what's the word I'm looking for, Mitchell? He has ascribed. He has been ascribed omnis by the church that he does not have. He is not everywhere at all times. He is not all powerful at all times. He has no knowledge of everything all at once and equal understanding. He does not. You want to pick a fight with somebody? Here I come. It's the, it's the neuropathy in my legs from the chemo drugs. That's what keeps me unstable. That, that's what a lot of that is. So please in, indulge me. But... Um, but um, We've given to a created being too much time and attention. Come on. Father, before I die, may I gain one disciple in this movement of ours where we have gotten off the rails, Papa, and we have looked so hard at the devil, we don't even know your name or your being or who you really, really, really are. And yet the book of the Revelation says... Um, um, the testimony of Jesus is, is the word of prophecy, or prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. W what was the writer of the book of John really saying? He was saying, prophecy is going to be able to tell you who God really, 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 really is. And my heart's desire would be that you would stand where I stand in your attitude towards the devil. Now, I haven't uh, uh, pick the fight with him. The scripture says we are not to uh, uh, do that. We are not to, uh, uh, but we are to let the angels and the Lord do battle with him yes. for us. Yes, we are yes. to submit to God and resist the devil. We have our part. But this whole thing, like he has an equal army to God and he's just a little less powerful than God. I've read my book of Job uh, a number of times and he had to go ask permission to touch one. But I'm here to tell you that in the make-believe part of our movement, and yes, I said it, 
You're believing lies about the power of the devil. Me personally, if I was to, to, to disciple you, the very first thing we would do is, is I would teach you where in the scriptures you can prove to yourself. Prove to who? Who Jesus really is. Do you know that Jesus is God? And, and, and more times than not, we know that Jesus is God from the scriptures less by what he proclaimed about himself and more by those that ascribe to him deity and he didn't push back and say, don't call me Lord. Don't call me Master. Don't call me heaven sent. He who sent me is equal to, to, to me. So the point is what? Go to work on knowing who Jesus is. And Jesus said, if you go to work on knowing who I am, you're going to run into my Father. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the conduit through which we get to the destiny. But Jesus is not the destiny. I am leading you to the Father. No man or woman comes to the Father except through me. Where is he taking us? He's taking us to Pops. He's taking us to Abba. He's taking us to Him who we really need to be revering and not running around at night thinking that the devil has filled my room, but that where I am, He is also. That He dwells inside of me, that He loves me, that He's paid my ultimate price for me, that He's made a place at His table for me, that His Son is busy building a mansion for me. Let's start talking about the Lord Jesus so, so that our default won't be a lack of the knowledge of who God is, but it will be, I no longer give the devil places that he doesn't deserve. I know I'm all up in your grill. You guys are sitting here all snide and all whatever sly grins on me, but I'm in your theology now. And I personally want to go on record if you're taping this. I want to debate, I want to debate people who want to talk about God and the devil. You know, I, I, I've been in this thing for 53 years. I've been te teaching it and counseling it for 53 years. And I've always been mesmerized by how many things people can say about the devil. And you ask them about God and well, yeah, what time's lunch? But I read this book because it's a bestseller. Because how many of you know people will die, will buy demons and the devil. They won't buy the fatherhood of God. Come on. Come on. We're, we're into being creepy. We're into being mysterious. We're into, uh, uh, well, what's the seventh card on the fourth deck on the fifth line? Let me pull it out so that what then I'll have is the cue to my life when the Bible says the footsteps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. As planned out by God the Father. I'm still trying to get to Matthew, Malachi chapter 1. But I'm telling you what, I am a Pops. And I'm a Pops who is not afraid to talk turkey. You know, let's be honest. Let's get free. God wants our default to be, where was God in all of this? No, I was going through grave tragedy in my 20s. And I remember laying down on the floor of the kitchen of the house that I owned. And I said to the father, where were you when all of this was happening to me? 
And the father said right over the top of my voice, he didn't even let me get it out. I'm right here with you. So I've contracted cancer. This was my inauguration week this time last year. And say to the Lord, where, where were you? Where are you? You know what the father said to me? Nothing has changed between me and you. It's not where did God go. It's not God is mad at me. It's Adam and Eve said, you know, yes to the, uh, uh, to the evil one by trickeration, by the way. And what ends up happening is, is that uh, thousands of years later, I contract cancer because I'm part of, the, uh, of humanity. That is really the, uh, the part of everybody who has the sentence of death upon us. And oh, by the way, to the doctors in the room, thank you so much for what all of you do. I've landed on, on, uh, onto some care of, uh, with some doctors and, and, and PAs or whatever that's called. And, and they just uh, have treated me with such love and dignity. My, my sense of self is so much more healthy right now than the uh, healthiness that I had before I contracted cancer. You know, I've, I've learned this phrase uh, over the last year that dying men tell the truth. I got to tell the truth. Yeah. You know, devil's over there, got himself all blowed up like a blowfish. And he looks like he weighs 30 pounds, that if you put a pin in him, he weighs eight ounces. Yeah. I didn't say that he was powerless. <laughs> I didn't say that he's a, a defanged lion. I didn't say any of that. I'm not into foolishness. I'm not into the foolishness of words. I'm saying things that I'm going to have to repent for, and I know they're not true, but because I got a, a bunch of charismaniacs uh, maniacs surrounding me, I can basically say God is mayonnaise and we're going to clap and sing and take up another offering. Listen, out of this state called Indiana, you had a guy, Jim Jones, 30, 40 years ago, who led people to their, to their ultimate uh, graveyard deadness by offering them Kool-Aid filled with whatever it was, cyanide or whatever. All of that being said, they followed him into eternity. The point is, is if people will follow somebody like that, you'll follow any, anybody, and I don't want you to. I don't want you to. I don't want you to believe one lie. Jesus called the devil a liar, the father of lies, a murderer, a thief, and a liar. Here's the deal, folks. Freeze frame the thought. Who gave the devil those names? Say it louder. Jesus. Jesus. So you have permission to go there. You have permission to stand right there and say, this is nonsense because my Christ, who is the eternal representative of the very person of God, our Father, told us, don't listen to him. But I fear that we haven't had enough good theologians, both male and female, in the body of Christ to stand up and say, I have a question. Can he undo a lug nut on every vehicle? Can he disengage a spark plug on every plane? I know that I'm spark plugs, but I don't know nothing about mechanics. <laughs> Ask Brother Ben what's underneath their hoods. But all of that being said, he's not that powerful. 
Ask the Father how powerful the enemy is. Well, my Bible tells me greater is he who lives in me than he that is in the world. Does it say that? And my wife always gets after me because she says I get so intense that I scare people. But I'm really going to tell you that I am a lion. I'll give it up. But I don't think that I'm a hurtful lion. I believe that I'm a protector lion. And if I see the devil messing around with my brothers and sisters because I'm an old theologian, I will tell you, I'm going to tell the, tell the devil into your ear to get lost. And by theologian, I only mean I don't believe that I have anything special other than that because of my experiences I do have more clarity I do see things more clear I can call the baloney word in a minute I don't believe that we should live in the baloney world or with all due respect to the intercessors I encourage you to rethink some of your theologies and who and what you're praying about and give God the glory and tell God to come strong and come hard. And ask Jesus to come back soon, Maranatha. And let's see how that works for us. I'd rather talk about a good father than a bad father any day. Jesus called him a father of lies, so he has the father thing. He's got so far into people's heads that we revere him as a father. You only have one father. And he's not really even your earthly father that I'm talking about. Malachi, for the sake of loving and extolling the word of God to its rightful place. Malachi, verse 6 in chapter 1. A son honors his father and a servant his master. Then if I am a father, this is God talking. Then if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my respect? Says the Lord of hosts to you. O priests who despise my name, but you say, how have we despised thy name? You are presenting defiled food upon my altar. But you say, how have we defiled thee? In that you say, the table of the Lord is to be despised. But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you present the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Would, would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? Verse 9, But now will you not entreat God's favor, after you've given all this nonsense to me in, the, in my name, that he may be gracious to us? With such an offering on your part, will he receive any of you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the gates, that you might not uselessly kindle fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from you. Listen, the get down on Malachi in chapter 1 is God is going to take them to task for, you're supposed to offering me, you're supposed to be uh, being, uh, 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 you're supposed to be offering me um, things that are without spot and blemish. Right and without wrinkle, Ephesians chapter 5, this is the type of bride that Jesus will offer to the Father, which is me and you, and we will have been cleaned up by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is about what is conforming and transforming and all, all, all of that wonderful language that we have in the New Covenant. 
about what is our present status and what will be our future status for forever. And I want to interject this in there because I hear it in my spirit that in the first four chapters of the book of the Revelation, now in the book of the Revelation, we see Jesus where? Jesus is in heaven, right? Okay. So Jesus has already walked the earth. Jesus has already been sacrificed on the cross. Jesus has already been raised from the dead. He's already met the boys on the road to Emmaus and their hearts burned within them uh, when they listened to him speak. He was seen at least three different times by all of his disciples. Uh, 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 He was uh, seen uh, above 500 witnesses, above and beyond any of that. Uh, What I'm saying is that Jesus' earthly ministry was a done deal and he wasn't coming back immediately, although they thought he was. He was going to come back at a pre-appointed time by the Father, right? So what we have in the first four chapters of uh, the book of the Revelation is, is we have Jesus calling God Father. This is beautiful. Jesus calling God Father. Post-earthly ministry, post-crucifixion, post-resurrection, post-ascension, in the same like manner as he's left, he's going to come back. Okay? We read in 1 and 2 and 3 and 4, as well as other places, but you can find them in this for sure in the first four chapters of the book of the Revelation, that Jesus is calling God his Father. Which means what? It means in Jesus' eternal state of glory and victory and honor and King of kings and Lord of lords and Lamb of God and the faithful and the true and, and, and the Lion of Judah and the 10,000 wonderful, uh, wonderful names that are ascribed to him in the book of the Revelation alone, we have him revering God as his Father. Do you know what you're going to call God in heaven? What do we get? Good. That too. Papa, Abba, my dad. Uh, Glory to the Father. Language of intimacy. Language of relationship. When you shut your eyes in death and you are absent from the body and you are present with the Lord, You will see God as Father and you will call Him your Father. Jesus. With Jesus, we are joint heirs and heirs of God. Everything that He has, everything that He owns, everything that He knows, everything that He is, we will have some part of it, if not all parts of that. We don't know just yet what it's really going to look like. We don't have all of that laid out for us. We have some of it laid out for us in the New Covenant. But all of that being said, my heart leaps within me when I think about when I see God in heaven, I am going to be able to call him my father. Why? Because it's what Jesus calls him. How's that for hope? When that other father, that lying father, has no say, no nothing like that. And oh, by the way, the sister that was do Allison or was doing the announcements, incredible. Yeah, what a what a talent, what a what a beautiful daughter of the Lord. God is raising her up for sure. But anyway, I wanted to read that, and then I want to read one more scripture as we close this down. Turn with me to the book of John in chapter 16. 
spent the last couple of days reading the book of John. Uh, if anybody were to ever ask what was Pop's favorite book in the Bible, it's hands down the book of John. And the reason why it's hands down the book of John, Kelsey, is, is because 144 times in the book of John, Jesus calls God Father. Is that cool or what? You want to know about the Father? Read the book of John. You want to know whether he's just a big ogre and he doesn't care and he's got no time for me and he's got double sets of books and beware the second uh, a foot that's going to come down the next time I sin or after I've exalted the 70 times 7. You need to read the book of John to thoroughly and clearly understand that God is not who the world has made him, not, uh, made him out to be. I told you a half hour, 45 minutes ago now, that here's the deal. God the Father is the most misrepresented personality in the universe. But the Apostle Paul lays out the book of Ephesians clearly, and in chapter 1, he tells us that we are chosen, we are accepted, we are adopted, we are forgiven. All in the book of uh, uh, Ephesians in chapter 1, he is extolling who the Father is, that this is the work that the Father has accomplished through His Son, Christ Jesus. Anakephaliao, uh, in, the, in the languages 1, 10, and 11, anakephaliao is a word for, for head, kephalos is the head, and that God has made Jesus the head over all of His dealings. That when God wanted to accomplish something and get it done right, He didn't send anybody else but His trusted and beloved Son. So we are in love with the Lord Jesus. We are in love with God the Father. We are in love with the person of the Spirit of God. Why? Because they have come for our good. Amen. I hope this morning that in my short time here, I'm able to knock on and at least provoke you to reconsider who God the Father is and whether who's really in charge in this world. It's not the devil. It's not COVID. It's not anything that's going on around us. It really is God the Father. That in the 223 pestilences that are pointed out to us in the scripture, every single one of the pestilences came upon the people of God and the people of the earth because it was sent by God. Deuteronomy 29, 29, that the secret things belong to the Lord. We will understand it when we see him, which the scripture says when we see him, we will be like him. We will know even as we are known. First John, all of that being said, don't worry about it. You know, I can't, Taylor, please indulge Pops. You know I got to go here. She's worship extraordinary, and she basically just sings the Bible and, and, uh, and extols the, the Godhead and the Word of God to wonderful heights. So I'm not talking about this worship leader, but I'm talking about some people that have been worship leaders that have written songs that are unbiblical. And I and I don't want to I don't want to mess with God's servants because they're loving God as best they can. But if I could tweak it a little bit, I would tweak it where we have to beware of singing songs that extol us and our struggle. And we need to concentrate on singing songs that only extol the Lord. And I'm telling you that in this house, I always feel comfortable that we are going to sing songs. We call it vertical worship. Yeah. vertical worship that we only extol, extol the Lord. Yeah. You know, why? Because if you're a student of Dan Allender, a psychologist, professor, uh, Allie's getting her feet wet with, uh, with his wisdom, uh, Dr. Dan Allender and Larry Crabb. 
two of my uh, mentors in over the years. All of that being said, uh, uh, you know, Dr. Uh, Allender said that the way that you begin to understand at least some of the stuff that I've even been talking about is, is greater is my sin than the pain that others have given to me or made upon me by being my molester or my abuser or my violator. That's the reason why I was able to forgive my father because I saw my father as having a great need of the forgiveness of the Lord. That I was raised in a generation of Christianity where we were really getting in touch with the dysfunctional family and the uh, 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 the different things of codependency, which I believe in them all, but I believe that they have to be applied through the person of the Lord Jesus because no person, one person can heal another person. And as a counselor myself, I, I daily have to remind myself that I have no power to heal anybody. Only Jesus can heal them because Jesus is the healer and I am, and I am not. Okay, okay. Always keeping God in his rightful place. So John chapter 16, I'll be brief in, in my reading of it, not because I'm going anywhere, but because I don't want to get uh, myself in the way. So John 16, I love this, short and sweet. And Jesus said in John chapter 16, beginning reading at verse 23, and in that day you will ask me no question. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you shall ask the Father, for anything, he will give it to you in my name. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be made full. These things I have spoken to you in figurative language, and hours coming when I will speak no more to you in figurative language, but will tell you plainly of the Father. And he's going to do that uh, more plainliness um, 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 in the next couple chapters, but also at his coming, he's going to be able to tell us everything that we need to know. Why? Because we will have glorified bodies and glorified minds, and we won't misrepresent or mishear all of his truth. Verse 26, In that day you will ask in my name, and, and I do not say to you that it, I will request the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me. Would you guys repeat that with me? For the Father himself loves you. Are you a Christian today? Do you confess that Jesus is in your heart? Do you confess that you have repented from your sins? Do you repent and, and say that you have total need of God? Well, if that's your confession of faith, Jesus brings us salutations from God the Father, and he says, the Father loves you. What does the Father think about you this morning? The Father loves you. The Father loves you. How much consolation is that? The Father loves you, brother. He's got your back. I love to be able to tell baby Christians, God is not going to have a bad thought about you. He's not going to run over to the book of life and uh, uh, blot your name out. That's a warning for those that think that they can live with one foot in the world and one foot out. Yeah. No, ensure your salvation today by getting down with the Father and saying, I need you. I recognize your place in my life. 
that you are to be first in my life and not so feared that I hardly ever talk to you or recognize you. This is an, an extreme gift, saints. This is an extreme gift. And I just want to take five more minutes and say this to you. That there's a lot of confusion in the body of Christ about wineskin. You know, whether we've got it or we're the old wineskin, we're the new wineskin, we're part of the new wine, or we got some new wine and some old wine mixed in together. Well, I'm here to tell you, saints, that God the Father is supposed to be your wineskin for your life. A wineskin is that which holds and contains either water or wine, that which is the sustenance that keeps us alive. Man can't live without water or, or something, uh, some libation or whatever in order to keep them from thirsting to death. Right? And so, if God the Father is supposed to be my wineskin, what am I saying? A wineskin is not outside of you. A wineskin is inside of you. God the Father and how I believe about Him, what I believe about Him, even what I listen to being said about Him and then I don't respond because I've never been taught about the fatherhood of God. But the fatherhood of God is everywhere at all time equally. And what made Jesus Christ so in sync with the Father was that He never offered any resistance to the Father. It's what separates him from all other living beings. That one person, our Lord Jesus, never offered any resistance to God the Father at any point and place in his life. What about us? What about us? Offer no resistance. Not my will, but thine be done, Father. I mean, why would we want to be being brought along in his family? and cared for in his family, and overseen for in his family. Hebrews 7.25, Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us that we might be saved to the uttermost. Jesus is praying for us. Why is he praying for us? He's praying for us that we might know the Father like he knew the Father. This is his prayer. What's Jesus doing on Father's Day? He's praying about us before the Father, the throne of God, and He's asking the Father that we might know the Father better. Come on. He's not passive-aggressive. He's aggressive-aggressive. <laughs> I mean, God was so interested in us getting a revelation of this that He sacrifices His own Son. Well, you, where were you when my uh, left me? Where were you when my uh, father passed away? Where were you when my uh, little baby cousin? Where, where was he? He's everywhere at the same time. Why do we ask God, where are you? He's right here. The scripture said, he is near those that are of a humble and a contrite heart. So when you're going through it in your life, where is God? He's present. And the whole present active indicative in the language says that he's here now. He will continue to be here in, in, in equal portions then. And in, in eternity, it's going to be the full overflow of everything that he is right down into our being. So I want to have done a good war this morning with my words in talking about 
God the Father being our wineskin. The frame of reference for God being our Father. And that is that we would understand and know that this Father who is almighty will not raise His hand to destroy you. He will raise His hand to resist you if you're too proud. He will raise His hand to resist you if you're too proud. That's the good Father. But in knowing God as Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, Ephesians 1, Colossians chapter 1. What in the world does that mean? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. So Jesus has a God and Jesus has a Father? Come on, theologies. Come on, theologians. I thought he was the maker of the universe. I thought he was the king of kings. I thought he was the Lord of lords. And yet, when Paul is writing, because he's already been taken up into the third heaven, he has seen the way things operate, and he recognizes, recognizes that for the Lord Jesus Christ, when he took upon flesh, he became the eternal God-man, fully God, fully man, and what he is capable of doing and needing is, is he needed in his earthly ministry for God to be God to him and for God the Father to be his Father. In his humanity, he was not without a father when Joseph passes away. He said, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me. So what am I saying to you? I'm speaking over this congregation and anybody else who may be watching. I'm speaking over you, the fatherhood of God, and I am commending you to becoming fatherly people. What does fatherly people, what does that mean? It means the buck stops with you. The buck stops with you. Somebody who's needy on the side of the road, don't walk around them, walk right to them. It's what a good father does. You hear that somebody has a need, you don't say be warm and be filled. You say, how much do you need? And at that, may I give you a surplus? But being a fatherly person is, is you're watching uh, uh, the boys. My boys wrestle at Canseco uh, Fieldhouse back in the day. And one of the good uh, wrestlers from Plainfield is uh, running through the semis. And uh, uh, he's basically been hit in the head. And he's out on his feet like I am most of the time now. And um, the referees and the, and the parents and the thousands, 13,000 people were there. They were letting this boy, 15, 18-year-old boy, wrestle on. Looking the other way. Like, what are you looking at? And I tell the story, and I'm very proud about it. Yes, I said I'm very proud about it. I stand up in the auditorium, and I start yelling, Where is his father? Because his father needed to have thrown in the towel to protect his son. Don't look past the competition or the contending or the first place in the state. What is the well-being of your son as he just suffered a concussion? And who cares about the first place medal? Who cares about how well his noggin is doing? When I say be fatherly, be fatherly. When you see injustice, injustice, when you see things that are out of the way, when you see little children being used and abused. Come on, folks. For peace sakes, we have, are now asked to being uh, bowing our knee to them doing trans, 
gender uh, uh, care situations for children? Where are the fathers? What in the world? No way. Oh my God, how, not how far has America fallen. How far has mankind fallen? We're supposed to be laying down our lives for the women and the children. Where I come from, quote unquote, I'm old school. No, I'm Jesus school. Nah, you, you, you ain't putting that old man crap on me. I can still whip you because I'll do things to you you would never do to me. That's what I tell my four sons, and then I run. Man, those are some strong men. But anyway, can we stand? Mitchell, can I close it? As I was trying to prepare for the message, I have to share this with you that I just had a complete calm about what was in my heart, that I felt like the Father gave me permission to just open my mouth and let him fill it. So that's what I've tried to do. But I wanted to share that sense of well-being with you that I think the Father wants you to know that all of the records are square between you and him. Everything is, is up to speed with him and you. I can't tell you how many, team, how many times I've dreamed about God in my life. And there were times when I dreamed about God in my life where I was not doing well at all. And in my encounters with God in those dreams, I'm here to tell you that I had such a sense of acceptance, such a sense of being his accepted in the beloved, such a sense of it's okay, I got this, I'm your dad. There are no paternity suits in heaven. There are no blood draws in heaven to find out whose kids you are. You are his kid. Rejoice in that. We've switched over into the whole thing with identity and belonging in Christianity. And you know what? That's all right with me. Why? Because you need to know that you're the father's child. You need to know that you're absolutely accepted in the beloved. You need to know that there's nothing more that he can do for you than what he's already doing for you, but he continues to do it anyway. Why? Because he loves you and he gave himself for you. And I just wanted to share with you guys this morning that he speaks well of you. You are the apple of his eye. When Jesus looks down in heaven's spaces and places and he sees the nail, the nail prints in his hands and in his feet and in his side from the spear, that he rejoices, that we have turned to him and have utilized and made efficacious his sacrifice for our souls. And so, Jesus, we pray to you today and we say thank you for welcoming us to the Father. Thank you, Lord, for heaven's gates being open to us, whosoever will. But, Lord, we thank you now that we have gone through that transaction of before the foundation of the earth. Lord, we thank you for having written our names according to the book of Ephesians in chapter 1 in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. What a story. Thank you for the truth of that story, God. Lord, we just love you today. We ask you, Father, for healing for anyone who may be sick in this room. God, would you come and would healing be their portion, Father? 
Lord, for those that are troubled in their minds, that, Father, would you heal them and make the way things connect and the way things uh, uh, get uh, uh, connected in their thinking. Father, would you help them through that? Father, would you continue to make us whole? And, Father, I pray, Lord, that on this Father's Day, that something special will have transpired, Lord, between us and you. That, Father, we trust you more today than ever before because you've got this. Lord, we love your word. We thank you from John chapter 16 that you love us. X out. No more to add. You love us. Thank you for that. And out of the book of Malachi, Father, we uh, uh, recognize that um, we ought not dishonor you with the offering and the sacrifice of our very lives. So, Lord, if we need to exchange out what we've been giving you for something more worthy of you, help us, Father, to understand. And, Lord, for being fatherly figures, whether we're males or females, that, Lord, you want the buck to stop with us, that we would be protector, sons and daughters, and that we would not allow evil things to go off and to be committed around us, that we don't have enough gumption from God to be able to speak up and speak out against it. So, Lord, today... I kiss you, I love you, Father, and I say to you, I'm honored to be your son and I'm proud to be a Christian. And I say these things and preach these things and pray these things in Jesus' name before the great and matchless throne of God. And all the people said, amen. amen. You guys go and have a good day and spread the love of the Father somewhere with as many as you can. God bless you and have a good day.